Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno, Senior Content Manager at OSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. In this episode, I'm speaking with John Cavalier, Partner of Management Consulting at Cohen & Company. John recently wrote a blog post on the Cohen website titled, Three Critical Lessons to Incorporate into Your Business in a Post-COVID World that we're talking about today. I asked John on how agility impacts business, the mindset organizations should have as they consider their post-COVID moves, what it means to be a purpose-led organization, and much more. Here's what he had to say. Obviously, COVID rocked everyone's world. And there was so much, you know, just looking at our our clients and the products we we had going or planned with some of our clients, you know, everyone generally had to hit the pause button, really focus on, you know, their their workforce, um, you know, protocols of just getting business done, you know, in a in a remote world. So there was a lot of a lot of things that organizations needed to focus on just really for survival. And, um, and, and most organizations figured it out, right? Some, some quicker than others. And of course, not without pain and, and some investment, but, you know, here we are now and, and COVID still, you know, a, a topic, but certainly the, this next growth cycle is, is underway. And, and, you know, a lot of signs point to it continuing to accelerate. And so organizations now are, you know, have really figured out how to do most of their business remote and people, they're, you know, their talent has have figured out the same and how to be pretty proficient and effective and, you know, in a remote state. And so now they can look at, okay, how do we prepare for the next growth cycle? You know, what, what whether it's organic growth or, or being active, proactive in, in, in making acquisitions, um, that puts a lot of strain on the organization. And they haven't been thinking about those things, you know, from a process, from a org from a systems from a data and they haven't been thinking about these things for for a while now and a lot of our you know our clients and prospective clients they they were barely thinking about it right before COVID hit because we were in this other growth cycle and they were just really figuring out how to keep up um so now is really the opportunity for a lot of organizations to say okay hey what where are we going and what do we need to to effectively support where we're going and, and really position ourselves as a, as a leader in, in, you know, being able to differentiate and, and be more competitive. And so those are the conversations we're having with our clients now. And, and, and it hasn't been, and it's been over the last couple of months, but I think it's really going to even keep, you know, we'll see more of those conversations happening from now, you know, through summers as organizations are really position themselves um, for that next growth cycle. Definitely. And John, you mentioned being more competitive, which makes me think of the first lesson that you mentioned in your uh, article, which is agile agile organizations win the race. Uh, Can you tell me more about how agility is so crucial, especially moving into this post-COVID period? Yeah. You know, I, I think agile is a word that it could be often overused. You know, there's a the textbook definition of agile from a project management approach. But you know, I, I think of an agile organization as one that's able to evolve and, and adapt, you know, really effortlessly. That's that's designed to to do that. And and we think about what we've been through and, and COVID being a huge piece. But as I was mentioned, even 
pre-COVID, we were in this, you know, large-scale growth cycle, and a lot of our clients were making, you know, a lot of different acquisitions and some divestitures, and that that change was happening really quick, right? And then, you know, we came to a screeching halt. We had to pivot for COVID, and now we're going to pivot again. And and that trend, you know, hopefully we, we don't see anything remotely like COVID forever, but things are continuing to change, whether it's technology driven, whether it's macroeconomic driven, whether it's um, internal within organization, because they're going to become active in acquisitions, change is inevitable. And the pace of change is constantly accelerating. And so organizations, you know, really need to position themselves that they're able to, you know, evolve and and cope with that change in an effective way that whatever that change may be is not fully disruptive or puts the organization at risk. But we as an organization become almost proactive and anticipate some of this change. And, and so we can seamlessly navigate through it. And again, whereby doing that, we put ourselves at a competitive advantage because we know some of our competitors are not able to do that. They're not thinking about these things. And so if we are, we're, we're just going to put ourselves in, in that much better of of uh, a position and and there are there's tools out there um that are helping i mean we see and we continually see organizations just spending too much time you know their their resources spending too much time and and really over invest in these highly transactional processes that you know paying the bills and and making sure we get paid and the basic accounting and just this blocking and tackling that needs to happen but it it really takes a, a lot of time and it really impedes our ability to be agile. And so, you know, the big ERP of the 90s and 2000s was supposed to have solved some of this issue, but in my opinion, really only contributed to the problem. But if we look over the past five years, the the tools that are out there that can really enable, you know, an agile organization, um, and there are a lot of softer things, you know, from a, a human element we can talk about, but the tools and technology that's out there like RPA and intelligent automation and, you know, advanced and integrated reporting solutions and digital workflows and niche applications and business intelligence and all these, you know, fancy terms. I mean, they're really well positioned from a, you know, low, relatively low cost, high impact to enable us as an organization to redirect resources to higher value activity, to, um, build the strategic capabilities that, you know, not too long ago, we couldn't have allocated resources to because of, you know, budgetary constraints and, and overall just become more nimble and agile. If we don't have to, you know, worry about, you know, how many people do we need to pay the bills because we've automated some of that, that itself frees us, right? That's one step of many into moving into a, what I would deem to be a more agile organization. And I'm curious if an organization thinks that they are agile, is there a way to put that to the test to see if they're agile enough, or is that kind of always evolving and changing depending on the environment? I, I think there, there's, there definitely are. I mean, if we as an organization just look at, um, you know, in the past, you know, most organizations have gone through some change and transformation, right? Either a uh, newer ERP system or or an acquisition or, you know, whatever a major event was and really reflect, you know, how did we, you know, take a, a, a do a scorecard type of approach? Um, you know, how did we do? Um, 
were we able to effectively overcome the challenges? Were from top down, did we have our executives, you know, communicating? Um, did we have a change management, in, you know, strategy and structure in place? And ultimately, how did our resources re react? Were they able to overcome these challenges? Did they embrace the change that was before them, or was there a struggle? And I think if we looked at, at past performance, that's a very good indicator of, you know, uh, the future, how, how we might, you know, be able to evolve and our level of, of agileness. Um, and, you know, we've, we've done, you know, for clients surveys to, to kind of give it a pulse too. So there's other more formal things you can do as well, but I think it really is a good question because I think executives tend to think, Hey, we, you know, they, they think big ideas. They think, um, you know, we need to transform. We need to do this. We need to do that, but they're not really thinking, are we capable of that? You know, is our team positioned, is our organization positioned to effectively make that change or to, um, capitalize on the next growth cycle or to react well in the next strong headwinds that we get. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's an important question and there certainly are ways that we can, we can kind of gauge how, how, um, how ready we are. And the, the other piece that I'll, I'll, I'll throw in there too, is I think as, as we look at how our organizations are structured, you know, typically organizations are very siloed you know, functionally driven. We have our finance and accounting organization. Within there, we have our, um, you know, there might be an FP&A group, tax, AP, AR, so on and so forth. And, um, and we've seen more innovative companies take a different approach and really start to eliminate those silos and become more end-to-end -end process driven. So instead of having an AP group, and a procurement group and a TME group, we have a, you know, a procure to pay group where it really sits under, uh, you know, a single maybe, you know, person and, and there's end to end oversight of that, of that process, order the cash, re record a report that same way. And that's, you know, like a global services construct um, that some large organizations have gone to are really kind of focused in on breaking down some of those silos and having processes governed and, and operated more end to end fashion. And, and that's another step towards becoming, uh, you know, a bit more agile. Something that a lot of companies I think can relate to right now is the war for talent, which you mentioned as the, the second lesson, you know, businesses that invest in key areas will, will win the war for talent. Can you tell me more about what those key areas are? So, yeah, the war town, I mean, and this, I don't think this is, um, this is brand new, right? We saw before COVID in many, um, if we just look at the finance and accounting organization, you know, there was almost negative unemployment. Um, the amount of open controller CFO, you know, the, the, that all the way down to an AP clerk, um, it was really difficult to fill those positions. Obviously COVID changed the dynamics a little bit and, um, people weren't as mobile. They were kind of just, you know, hunkering down and um, doing the work from home. But now that things are opening back up, or I, we're already seeing, and we're seeing it within our firm, and we're seeing it across our clients, um, the the labor market being really competitive for, for talent. Um, 
so I, those are the that's the dynamics that that we're in, and that's you know that's probably not news to to anyone who is um, either have lost a key employee or, or searching for an employee right now. But I think when we think about well, how do we? What are the strategies, or you know, what's the approach to positioning ourselves in the best way possible in this war on talent? And I think the first is understanding needs and understanding where as an organization we are heading um, and, and trying to be a little bit of a fortune teller to think about, well, do the roles that we have today, are they the same roles that we're going to need tomorrow? I, I read a book not too long ago, um, The Fuzzy and the Techie, Why the Liberal Arts Will Rule the Digital World, and really was intrigued by this. One, because I'm working with my clients and how to advance their digital maturity, but also because I wasn't liberally trained. I'm a, I'm a finance and accounting junkie. So, um, but, but the premise of this book is that roles are fundamentally changing. We don't, most organizations now don't need an army of great accountants. We need, we need some really good accountants, right? That, that's never going away. Um, but we don't necessarily need an army of them. Strategic procurement. It's important today as it was yesterday, but the advancement in business intelligence and predictive analytics has revolutionized the requirements of the job. So those are just a couple examples of how roles are changing and how needs are changing, um, where we don't necessarily need um, someone that's really strong in one singular capability, but rather someone who's more well-rounded, again, to this agile concept that they are, you know, they understand technology, they understand business processes, they understand um, you know, maybe some accounting, but also, you know, some operational to have that more of a Swiss army knife rather than, you know, that, um, that person that all they, uh, they have, they focus on is uh, accounts payable. So I think it's becomes identifying the needs of the business, identifying the roles that are vital to the organization and that we may have today or that we may need in the future. And how do we effectively fill those roles and in what roles we may not need or what roles may dramatically change and then putting the plan together and say, okay, how are we going to over the, it's not overnight, right? I mean, we can't just shift people around overnight, but we can be more strategic in how we go out to the market and look for future employees. And we can be more strategic and deliberate in terms of how we build our training capabilities to say, okay, our AP team or our, our credit team, this function is fundamentally changing because of some of the investments we're going to make in automation. So now what? Well, we have these other needs that are unfilled. So how can we retool or retrain some of our best talent that we don't want to lose and have them grow into, you know, changing or, or new roles? And, and it's not easy. And that's why things like, you know, RPA, for example, yeah, there's a lot of success stories, but some of them are a little bit overhyped because just because you throw automation in there, it's, it's now what? If we weren't as an organization prepared for that, um, our resources and be able to retrain and reallocate these automation investments we made, you know, we're not, not going to really realize the, the full potential. And I'm sure there were a lot of 
similar realizations for businesses over, you know, during the pandemic, especially when they considered what they want the future of their organization to look like, and they looked at the types of roles that they needed to fill or that were no longer relevant to the organization. Is that something that a lot of you heard your clients kind of mentioning, like, wow, I think the pandemic has really opened my eyes to maybe we need less of this and more of this when it comes to talent. Starting to that that conversation is beginning to happen, but most organizations are really still not having that. They're they're like, okay, you know, the business as usual. You know, let's just figure out how do we, you know, maybe now invest in that technology solution, that shiny new object that we were thinking of before COVID, and now we can get back on it and 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 kind of jumping the gun, if you will before they take that step back and say, okay, well, what do we need? What what does this change? How is it going to impact the organization? How is it going to impact the roles and, and being, you know, deliberate and and looking ahead 18 to 24 months um, and and doing that, that planning exercise. It's, 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 I would say leading organizations are very effective um, of doing that, but I think most organizations just haven't taken the time because it is difficult, right? We, we've we've gone through this period where you know we were all in survival mode, and now we're we're quickly ramping up to and accelerating into growth mode, and to take that, you know, that time to to be able to hit the pause button and and do that planning is not easy. Uh, um, it's like you know, the proverbial flying the plane while you know while we're building the wings. And I think you bring up a good point there from, you know, survival mode to growth mode. And um, would you say that a lot of organizations are kind of struggling to make that shift, especially because survival mode this past year has, I imagine for a lot of them felt like really intense. I, I think it is difficult because we still have one, we still have, you know, COVID still a, a topic. We still have a lot of the workforce that's, continues to work remote um again rather effectively but, but you know where we know there's there can be or has been some you know productivity and as we look ahead and we say well when are the majority of our workforce coming back are they going to come back do we need some hybrid approach i mean that by itself is um fundamentally shifting and shaping um i think the organization and the staffing and talent decisions um, because it could look different. I mean, uh, moving to a more, um, you know, just permanent remote workforce, I, I think could be really effective for a lot of organizations in, in a variety of different ways. But, but again, having the constructs, the tools, the technologies, the process, um, the, the leaders and oversight that can continue to grow talent and develop talent remotely. I mean, that's a really difficult test. Just in our own organization, we, we brought on um, a, a lot of new workers to our team, not a lot of new, you know, really talented individuals, but not being able to have that, you know, one-on-one coaching has been a challenge. So, so how do you continue to grow and develop and, and, and do these things, like I said, of, a plan for future roles and, and, you know, train and de- re- retrain and develop talent in a hybrid on-site remote working environment. I think that's that's going to be the one of the essential challenges for organizations to to figure out. 
And the third lesson uh, that you list, John, is proactive and purpose-led organizations find success. What does it mean to be a proactive and purpose-led organization? Yeah, so, you know, I definitely have mentioned, you know, quite a lot about digital technology. And I think um, technology is certainly one of those key drivers of change and an enabler of, of ultimately of, you know, successful organization. But no, this, this idea of proactive and purpose-led is, again, comes back to that kind of fuzzy side, this, this the human element. Um, and I think it begins with having a clear mission, vision, strategy, and aligning a culture to effectively support these things. Um, you know, a key piece in there when we think about proactive and purpose-led is, to me, is innovation. Um, or innovative organizations innovative cultures are, are really able to, to become more proactive. Um, it's definitely a strategic attribute that many organizations are, are and have been emphasizing. Um, you know, I hear organizations all the time, including our own, saying, how do we, how do we become better and to support and drive innovation? It's not a dumb question. It's, but it's, that question is sort of the peak of the mountain. And so we must look top down at the organization, figure out, you know, who we are, what is our purpose? And can those two questions of who we are, and what is our purpose be effectively articulated from our CEO all the way down cascaded throughout the organization? The answer is yes. Well, now we have a culture that um, certainly can be high performing, uh, can be innovative, innovative and, and obviously is purpose led. That the answer is spotty and murky. Obviously, there's work to be done. Um, and, you know, what I'll say here is that, um, you know, what I found particularly important as we think about this idea of proactive and purpose-led and, and organizations who may go through this, you know, um, like a three-year strategic planning process, and sometimes organizations spend a lot of time on it, sometimes they just kind of gloss over it, and it just becomes a check-the-box activity. But, you know, we've helped some organizations through it, and what I found really important is is defining and articulating the whys. Why do we exist as a company? Why do our customers choose and trust us? Why do our employees choose to be a part of the organization? Why and how do we support our immediate community in the broader environment we live in? Um, and, and by the way, none of those that I just mentioned, there's probably a few others, but I think you get the sense. None of those are profit-driven, um, or at least they, they should not be. Um, they, they can't be because the trust of our customers and employees will immediately erode. If we are singularly profit-driven, um, we will not find effective answers to these whys, which will, which will you know, cause us not really to be purpose-led and degrade you know, our intentions of being uh, innovative. Um, they must be genuine. They they must be ingrained, again, from our mission, vision, strategy, and culture down to the day-to-day -day decisions we make, essentially the guiding principles of the organization. And, and really, you know, I, I'm, I'm as over 10 years in, in management consulting in, in dozens, if not hundreds of organizations that I've spent time with, I, I've seen organizations who have nailed this and, and, and many who have no clue. And at the end of the day, I, I'm astounded at the overall performance, um, financial and operational, of the organizations who 
are focused on the wise and uh, who are not singularly profit-driven, those are the organizations that have been sustainably effective and successful and have been able to grow. And so I, I just think that's, you know, again, that's easy to, to say, you know, it's easy to talk about how to nail this and be innovative and have the right culture. You know, I get it. Um, it's not so simple to, to figure out the how behind that, right? Yeah, that, that reminds me of something you said earlier, John, about, you know, I think a lot of organizations um, can fall victim to the shiny new object. You know, it's exciting, something new that they want to try. Um, what can be tougher and what you mentioned in your article is that a lot of these strategies are not um, simple or can be quickly implemented. So what advice would you have for organizations kind of, you know, about sticking, sticking to the path, sticking with it to see these results that you mentioned you've seen other companies produce? Yeah, I think it's, it really comes down to having that, that, that vision, that strategy, um, having, you know, across the organization be, have that well understood and then entrusting and empowering our our functional leads to build, you know, the tactical plan to to execute that. Um, and, and having, you know, really a roadmap from, you know, there may be an enterprise-wide roadmap of where we're going over the next, you know, 24 to 36 months. But then really, to me, every function, every, every functional lead um, should have their own plan. Or roadmap, and, and by the way, that it should be highly dynamic. Okay, what we what we think is going to happen tomorrow or next year, it, we know it's going to change. But if we're continuing to look at that and understand what are the drivers internally, externally that may be disruptive or may require us to change, um, if we, you know, if we at least understand those at a at a macro level, it, it makes us you know again more agile, more dynamic. And better easy to better capable of of, of planning and, and reacting. So having that plan, you know, from top down, having a clear idea directionally of where what we're heading and what the goals and expectations of the organization are. I think those are fundamental. Again, they seem so straightforward, but uh, I think it's more of um, exception than the normal of organizations who have, have really been able to, to nail that. Thank you to John for taking the time to share insight into the lessons businesses can incorporate in the post-COVID world. So what do you think of the episode? You can let me know at jsalerno, J-S-A-L-E-R-N-O at ohiocpa.com. And please rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're using. We love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening.